um, let everybody know that uh, Richard uh, and his wife, I'm sorry, are here from Kentucky. They have a Buddhist center there. Uh, and they took uh, some classes with Geshe Gompo uh, in Ithaca 12 years ago. So they found the site when they were traveling in Connecticut, found the site, and then we were here, so came to attend the teaching. So I just wanted to say welcome. Uh, uh, welcome to the Chen Rezik Tibetan Buddhist Center. This is Ken Sergeshe Wandok. He is a retired abbot of His Holiness the Dalai Lama's monastery in Namgyal. Uh, he uh, holds the degree of Geshe Larampa, which is the highest degree one can achieve in the Tibetan Buddhist Galup tradition and is recognized really by all the, the great scholars as one of the greatest living scholars in the Sutra and Tantra tradition uh, and all of the scriptural and realizational doctrines. So uh, we're very fortunate to have Rinpoche with us. He was sent to the United States by His Holiness to be the head of the North American seat in Ithaca uh, and then given permission by His Holiness to retire here at the Chenrezig Tibetan Buddhist Center where he's been for uh, uh, quite a number of years, 12 or 13 years, uh, maybe more. Uh, so, it's a very rare opportunity uh, to have uh, a teacher of Rinpoche's caliber uh, who lives with us and who gives us teachings on a regular basis. So, we really rejoice in that opportunity that's rare, even if we were in India, to be able to receive teachings from a, a teacher like this. I know when we were in India, uh, the monks had a difficulty in getting near Rinpoche because of who he was, uh, and I really recognized what an opportunity that we have uh, as students who can just show up here and, and be with Rinpoche. So, uh, my name's Jeff. Uh, I'm the translator. Rinpoche is going to continue his discussion on Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the Path to Enlightenment, uh, which is a commentary on Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. Uh, before the teaching begins, we do some introductory prayers. Uh, if you turn in the blue prayer book, about eight pages from the back, you'll find a tabbed off section that says Prayers for, t uh, for Teachings, about eight pages from the back. Uh, and then on the, the other side of it, you'll find the Heart Sutra, the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Uh, we read that first uh, in its entirety, including the title, because uh, it's tradition to do that in the Tibetan tradition, because it's a pronouncement of Lord Buddha, as well as the Sanskrit mantra in the center. Uh, and then the next page, there's some English translation and Tibetan transliteration. Uh, we do that. Uh, as well, just in the Tibetan transliteration, as well as the Sanskrit mantras in the center. The only thing we don't do is we don't do it 21 times. We just do it silently to ourselves, uh, as many times uh, as Rinpoche does silently to himself. Uh, and the Heart Sutra is said to remove any obstacles that it could occur uh, that could keep us from a successful outcome. Uh, the next page, we have the Outer Mandala Offering. We do that in English, as well as Tibetan including the Sanskrit mantra and its translation at the, the bottom. And then the last page, Prayer of Refuge in Bodhicitta, we do three times just in the Tibetan transliteration, and that's uh, led by Rinpoche. Uh, after that, the teaching will begin. It'll go on for an hour and a half or so. And then uh, when it is over, we do the uh, concluding prayers. Uh, so if you look at the next page in the prayer book after the Prayer of Refuge in Bodhicitta, uh, you'll find a concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. We do that in just the uh, English. Uh, Samanta Bhadra dedication on the next page we do in English. Long life prayer for His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And then long life prayer for Rinpoche. So that will be the order of events for today's class. And uh, that's about it. So without further, further ado, why don't we get started uh, with the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. And I just want to say welcome to everybody and thank you all for coming. The Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. 
Thus have I heard once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriha at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way, he saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, Noble Avokateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye, datu, up to no mind, datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind, consciousness, datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita the mantra of premium sight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequal mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Teata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangati Bodhisoha. Thus Shariputra, Bodhisattva should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One rose from that Samadhi and praised Noble Avokateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra, Noble Avokateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One.
So once again, we will be uh, looking at the text called The Great Trudis on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. Uh, this text is a commentary on Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. And Lama Tsongkhapa begins with an outline of how he will explain the teaching itself. Uh, he begins with first the greatness of the teaching's author. Here this is referring to Lord Atisha and he goes over the liberation life story of Lord Atisha. The next section shows the greatness of the teaching itself, and primarily here, uh, he's speaking of Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment, but we could use, uh, apply that also to all of the teachings, the authentic teachings of Sutra and Tantra. Uh, so here, uh, the second category is the greatness of the teaching here, and primarily the teachings referring to the, the lamp. Uh, the next is the great way to listen to and explain the teachings. Uh, and here, this section shows uh, the proper way to give the instruction. Uh, and then next, the proper way to listen to an instruction. Uh, so this is the third section. And then the fourth section of the outline is uh, how to lead students in the actual uh, stages of the path, or uh, how to lead students through the actual instruction. So. Um, here, these are the four categories that begin uh, the text. So we've already uh, gone over the first three, and now we're currently in how to lead students through the actual instructions. Easy. 
So we've arrived at the section under the uh, how to lead students in the actual instructions that goes over the stages of how students train their minds uh, after they've relied on the teacher. So that's where we've left off. Uh, in that section, there's an exhortation to take full advantage of a life of leisure and opportunity. Uh, and then the next section, which is how to take full advantage of a life of leisure and opportunity. So that first section, uh, which is the exhortation to take full advantage of a life of leisure and opportunity, has three sections. Uh, first section being uh, the identification of leisure and opportunity. Uh, and in that, we find that there are eight leisures, uh, and then there are ten opportunities. And those ten opportunities have five that pertain to oneself and five that pertain to others. So here, uh, if one has this uh, basis uh, from which one can practice dharma, uh, that is considered a basis of leisure. A leisureless basis is a basis from which the dharma practice of dharma uh, is diff difficult or not possible. So uh, here, uh, a life of leisure is referring to a life uh, which is a basis for practice, and then there are eight specific leisures. Uh, and then the opportunities, there are ten, five that pertain to oneself and five that pertain to others. And if one has this basis of leisure, it's necessarily necessary to have the cooperative conditions that allow for this basis to, of leisure to be utilized. Uh, so there are the ten opportunities that serve as the conditions, conditions for the utilization of the life of leisure, the basis of leisure that one has. Uh, and then the next is the contemplating the great importance of leisure and opportunity. Uh, and then contemplating the difficulty of obtaining this life of leisure and opportunity. So there are three sections. Uh, the first section being the identification of what leisure and opportunity is, uh, and then those different categories just explained. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the next is contemplating the great importance of this life of leisure and opportunity. Uh, and in there, there are seven points that are made about how important the spaces we have is. Uh, and then the next section is the difficulty of attaining leisure and opportunity. And in that section, we find eight specific points about the difficulty of achieving this basis that we have currently. <laughs> 
So, uh, Atisha's uh, text, The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, is the main text uh, th uh, that we refer to when we refer to Atisha. But Atisha wrote many different books uh, on many different subjects. But the, what was special about The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment is that it contained uh, all of the pronouncements of Lord Buddha as well as uh, all of the authentic Indian commentary. So if you look here, uh, these texts on this side are all of the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, the Kanjur, and on this side we have all of the authentic Indian uh, commentaries, the Tenjur. Uh, and Lama Tso, uh, um, Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment uh, contains all of uh, the, the meanings contained within these uh, excellent classics as uh, um, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa states. Uh, so in uh, this um, text, The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, is often compared to an ocean uh, because of all of the, the waters and rivers in the world uh, eventually end up in the ocean. Likewise, all of the great texts of the Sutra and Tantra texts, the uh, uh, texts of the Kanjur, the texts of the Tanjur, eventually end up in Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment in a summarized way. Uh, so here, uh, in uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's um, Lamrim Dudan, the abbreviated stages of the Path to Enlightenment, uh, he says that it's a, uh, it's a wish, it's a precious instruction because it collects streams of thousands of excellent classics uh, and because of this, it's an ocean of illustrious, uh, correct explanation. Uh, so here it's saying that the lamp is like an ocean that contains all of the, the dharmas that were ever taught. And then in the Tanjur, the authentic Indian commentaries, we actually find, an, I think it's an auto-commentary, a commentary written about the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment by Lord Atisha. Uh, so there's a commentary in the authentic Indian commentaries on Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. It's an auto-commentary. so Lord Atisha came to Tibet uh, and he wrote the text, The Lamb for the Path to Enlightenment. Uh, and this text contained very few words. Uh, it was very concise. So when he sent this text back to the Nalanda scholars in India, uh, they thought it was uh, um, such a wonderful text because it was so beneficial to the land of Tibet. 
and they requested that Lord Atisha write a commentary on the text because the text had so few words. And that's why we find Atisha's commentary on his own text uh, in the authentic Indian commentaries of the Tanger. So, uh, Atisha um, had a relationship with uh, Tara, and he could ask uh, questions. So, he had a meeting uh, one day with uh, Tara, uh, the female Buddha, uh, Tara. And uh, in this meeting, he asked uh, advice if he should go to Tibet or if he should stay in India. Uh, and uh, Lord uh, Atisha was told by Tara that if he were to stay in India, his life would be lengthened quite a bit, uh, but he would be of medium benefit. Um, but that if he went to uh, um, Tibet, that he would be of great benefit, but that his life wouldn't be as long as if he had stayed in India. <laughs> So the Indian scholars all uh, concurred that this uh, was a great text. Uh, the Lamb for the Path to Enlightenment was a wonderful text. Uh, and it's because uh, the, the, because this text is so great that we find commentaries in all of the traditions of Tibetan Buddhism. We find commentaries in the Nyingma tradition, we find commentaries in the Sakya tradition, and uh, explanations in the Kaju tradition. Uh, and then in the Galupa tradition, we find Lama Tsongkhapa's uh, explanations. We find the uh, uh, explanations of the uh, uh, great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, the medium explanation of the medium stages of the path to enlightenment, and then the abbreviated stage of the path to enlightenment, and then the more cons smaller text, uh, the three <coughs> paths, uh, and the foundation of all good qualities, the um, uh, source of all my good, it's also called. <laughs> Uh, so there are eight J, eight, uh, uh, eight commentaries, uh, eight commentaries on Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, that we find. Uh, Lama Tsongkhapa wrote the various lengths of commentaries. Lama Tsongkhapa wrote the great, uh, the Lamrim Shemo, the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, and then the medium, the medium stages on the path to enlightenment, and then the, the smaller texts such as the. Uh, foundation of all good qualities, the source of all my good. But there were other uh, masters who also wrote commentaries, such as uh, Zhao Gochin, uh, Jamyang Sheba, 
the fifth Dalai Lama wrote the spoken words of Manjushri, uh, and then uh, Sunam Gyatso, third Dalai Lama, Sunam Gyatso, uh, third Dalai Lama wrote the golden, uh, I forget what it's called, the golden stages of the path, or something golden, uh, but the Sunam Gyatso also wrote a commentary, so there's many commentaries, but this one is Lama Tsongkhapa's commentary. Also, the Penchen Lamas uh, wrote a Lamrim uh, a text on the stages of the path um, that is called. What did it, did it do? The, uh, uh, so anyway, the Penchen Lama also wrote Path to Bliss. I'm sorry, Path to Bliss. What then is that? Then what the that generation that long ago but the most extensive commentary on Atisha's lamp is the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment and for that reason it's for that reason that we're using this text because it's the most lengthy extensive commentary the Laren Tremel, the Oh, okay. So then, in this great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, Lama Tsongkhapa, in a very clear, concise way, uh, elucidates and summarizes all of the teachings of Sutra and Tantra. Uh, so there is a, uh, um, an, an explanation of all of these things in a summarized way of all of these different teachings. In a very clear, summarized way. What the knowledge we want to get out of the Shadaka, but ten thing in Jashon to him, and the things of you are this. It's a damage of So, this is a very uh, solid, if you will, or uh, stable, or the word solid uh, text, uh, because it, if we were to look at the meaning uh, that's contained within it, and we were to really. Uh, completely elucidated or expanded, it would be quite vast if we were to uh, explain all of the meanings contained within it. It would be quite magnified or quite vast.
So when Lama Tsongkhapa concluded the text, the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, he had accumulated a large amount of virtue, and then he made an aspiration uh, in this way. Um, we find, may all human and non-human beings who eliminate adversity and make things conducive for practicing the excellent paths never be parted in any of their lives from the purest, purest path praised by the Buddhas. Uh, so here Lama Tsongkhapa made an aspiration to have this uh, be fulfilled uh, as a result of this merit that was created through this uh, text, writing this text, and writing all of the different categories of the perfection of wisdom and, and uh, Madhyamika and so forth that's contained within it. Okay. So now we're on the uh, difficulty of achieving the human basis of life of leisure and opportunity. Uh, so here, this is on page uh, uh, 124 uh, in the English text. Uh, so we'll turn to that page. And in Tibetan, I believe we're on page 83. 83? だ、ペイジネイディテリガニマドジェタコトゥケンイチテオ。イネツンサンデ。オ、オディア。ジェジェソ。タスンバシンドシンドスンバシンドニエバカワサンバネス。テタビトワテヤン。ね、シンドニエ
uh, the, which is referring to the discipline texts. Uh, first, uh, this one specifically is called the basis of discipline, the Vinaya Vastu. Uh, and then there are three more, and I apologize, I don't know the exact names of them. Um, I can probably find them, but I don't want to uh, take a lot of time. So, so these, I'm st still, there are four, uh, um, four scriptures that are contained within the Vinaya. Um, and here, this is the basis of discipline. And I apologize, there are four, uh, four different, maybe at the break I can find it, but there are four different names. Uh, and it, within that, we find the uh, ethical discipline model, the uh, vows of the fully ordained, the vows of the fully ordained monk and nun and, and the novice and so forth, and other basis of ethical discipline. So uh, we find those explanations within there. And here the example is given when we're speaking of the difficulty of achieving this life of leisure and opportunity, of uh, um, comparing the number of beings that are born in the um, lower realms from the higher realms are similar to the number of atoms in the world. And the number of beings that are born in the higher realms from the higher realms are similar to the number of atoms found on a fingernail. Uh, and then the number of beings that are born from the lower realms in the lower realms are similar to the atoms of the world. And the number of beings that are go from the lower realms to the higher realms are similar to the number of atoms on a fingernail. Uh, so here in the Vinaya we find uh, uh, this uh, explanation of, of the difficulty, uh, I'm sorry, this example uh, uh, to show the difficulty of achieving uh, this life of leisure and opportunity. What the Okay. ndege Tambamai 
This first example shows the difficulty of achieving a higher realm rebirth uh, from the lower realms and showing that the lower realms go from the lower realms as many as as many atoms there are in the world and the lower realms go to the higher realms as many atoms there are in the fingernail. And then the higher realms go from the lower realms as many atoms there are in the world and the higher realms go from the higher realms as many atoms on a fingernail. So here, this is the example. The next, this shows a reason. Uh, so here, uh, um, at the first turning of the wheel of Dharma, uh, we find the Buddha stating that this is the superior truth of, uh, the superior truth of uh, uh, suffering, this is the superior truth of origin. This is the superior truth of cessation, uh, and this is the superior truth of path. Uh, so here uh, we find suffering has a cause, and that second noble truth, the truth of origin, is referring to that which is the cause of suffering. Uh, so here, uh, when we look at the truth, the superior truth of origin, we find that there are two divisions that are cause of suffering: afflictions that are origin, and karma that is origin. Uh, so we find these two uh, specific categories. Uh, so karma and afflictions are necessarily uh, what causes uh, suffering. So when we look here in the text, uh, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa quotes uh, Arya Deva's 400 verses, uh, where he states that humans for the most part are involved in things ignoble. Therefore most, therefore, most ordinary beings will surely go to the lower realms. So when we're looking at the truth of suffering and the truth of origin, Ignoble uh, is, uh, if it is a, uh, a, a karma and afflictions, it's necessarily ignoble. Uh, it is ignoble activities that are the throwing, uh, throwing karma, or ignoble actions are the throwing actions which uh, propel one into the lower realms. Uh, and it is uh, noble karma, or noble action, that is uh, the throwing uh, karma to, for one to achieve a higher realm. So uh, it is a noble throwing karma that creates the lower realm experience and noble throwing karma uh, that creates the higher uh, realm experience. So here it's saying that most ordinary beings are involved in the ignoble, involved in uh, that which is not noble, therefore that which is a, a, um, a, a projecting karma or a throwing karma that creates the experience of a lower realm rebirth. Um, so, because uh, beings, whether they are lower realm beings or higher realm beings, here it's just saying ordinary beings. First it says humans for the most part, so it's saying most humans are involved in things ignoble. And then it goes on to say, therefore most ordinary beings, ordinary beings referring to the lower realms and the higher realms, uh, because they're more familiar with, they're more often involved in ignoble activities, they are necessarily more often reborn in the lower realms. Uh, so here this is a, 
correct sign, a reason or a proof to support the example. Uh-huh. So here, uh, it's saying, when we're looking in terms of uh, truth of origin, uh, uh, we find that uh, there is karma and afflictions uh, that are origin. So it is ignoble activities uh, which are necessarily origin because uh, karma and the afflictions are necessarily uh, the ignoble. Or, uh, um, so here, this is why, um, because most beings are involved in, in things that are <coughs> more often than not, are involved in the origin of suffering uh, more often than not, uh, they uh, normally uh, go to the lower realms. And then it says here, therefore, most ordinary beings. Ordinary beings refers to those beings who have not reached the path of seeing, uh, those beings who are uh, non-superiors. Uh, any individual who is a non-aria is necessarily an ordinary being. So ordinary beings are in the lower realms, ordinary beings in the higher realms. When we look at uh, Sangha's text, uh, the Compendium uh, of Trainings, uh, we find uh, that he defines an ordinary uh, uh, being uh, as um, an ordinary being as uh, one who has not uh, seen um, uh, one who is a non-arya. So uh, Sangha defines uh, an ordinary being as one who is a non-arya, a non-superior. Uh, so here, where it says ordinary beings, it's referring to any non-superior beings, non-Arya beings. Uh, so uh, those beings in the lower realms, those being in the higher realms, either way, uh, they are more often than not involved in ignoble activities, uh, and ignoble activities are necessarily that which uh, are, is the throwing karma that creates the lower realms. Noble activities create the throwing karma that create the higher realms. Ignoble activities create the throwing karma that creates the lower realms. Therefore, if there is more involvement in the ignoble, then there is more rebirth in the lower realms. This man will go through 
low round. This man will go to high round. Uh, went to low round, went to high round. What doesn't she want to do? One of the Nanu desert, Nanu desert, Then as ああ、オッケー。で、ジェマゲチシェン。ジェマゲチシェン。ゲルゴトゥ。ああ、ボロンハイ。ラサ。ああ。だったとこはいな。ね、メギレーダー、メギレーダー。メギレーダー。ヨ
because the causes for going to Washington Street are present. That person has a car, that person, there's a road that goes to it, uh, there is a driver to drive one to it, uh, and so forth. Therefore, uh, that person will go to, or can, uh, can go to Washington Street. Uh, because those things are present, that brings that person <coughs> potentially to Washington Street if there's, if uh, they, he or she wants to, because the means to get there are present. Oh, then the rabbi put something. What the rabbi put down that chiba marbuti down. So looking coarsely at it, we can use this uh, example to look at the correct signs. The magic of the temple is on the So if we apply this idea of going there to going to a future life, uh, then it is uh, similar and, and useful. ハカトマトオテスマルチュスバレンデチョワジェスゴバカイバデジェランデジェテナリンデチュスチュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ。チュウ
a nature, natural, uh, a one nature or nat natural uh, correct sign or the correct sign of nature, uh, and then there's an observationless or a correct sign of non-observation. So there are three uh, divisions of correct sign, and if we look at this specific correct sign uh, that's used in this uh, statement, we'll find that it's a correct sign of nature. Of, of one nature, or it's translated many different ways, but it's a Ranjin nature, correct sign of nature. Dead school room, Chase, Kassenji. We'll take a five minute break if anyone wants to use the restroom. Uh, we're going to change the cassette. Uh, there's things to drink and other things around to eat, so please help yourselves. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. Okay. Okay. So here it says uh, here it says ordinary beings uh, mostly go to the lower realms. Uh, so the reason that it states that ordinary, I'm really, I'm sorry, I have to be able to concentrate. I'm, I'm not able to concentrate if people are talking. I apologize. So here, ordinary beings uh, no, go to the lower realms. Here it states uh, uh, in Arya Davis' text. So here it's saying that mostly uh, this occurrence uh, is happened. So miserable realms uh, and lower realms mean exactly the same thing. Uh, so here, this is a natural correct sign that proves the thesis that uh, ordinary uh, beings go to the lower realms uh, because of this ignoble activity. So in the first chapter uh, of the uh, Pramanavartika Karika, the first chapter of the Pramanavartika Karika, uh, we find Dharmakirti uh, um, saying that a natural sign is, uh, I'm not going to be able to quote it directly, but a natural uh, correct sign is that which is uh, naturally occurring uh, um, um, within that which is uh, it is naturally occurring uh, and naturally creates that which then um, that that's a cause I want to try to make it so it's clear it's basically part of its nature uh, to have uh, as a, I'm going to use that word result part of its nature uh, to uh, create the experience of uh, um, that which is concordant with itself. So uh, because it's uh, uh, something's uh, nature is to do something else, uh, this is what a natural correct sign uh, means. I wish I had that exact quote from that, but um, here it's just stating that what a natural sign is, and in this case, this is a natural uh, sign. What the Longer 
राजी जिता हाँ दा तंजेदा तो राजी मामी बिता हाँ दा सुन ले जिता हाँ दा दिखारे ले ताँ दा दिखारे से ना थे राजी जिता हाँ दा इसलिए राजी जिता हाँ दा इसे मालूम ना जिता हाँ दा ही लाऊँ जिए जिता हाँ दा ये ना जिता हाँ दा ये मालूम जिन चुबा सीज़न जब चुबा मुसीज़न जिता um, so here, in the 400 verses, uh, it states that um, uh, humans for the most part are involved in the ignoble, therefore most ordinary beings will surely go into a miserable realm. So here it's stating uh, that most um, beings will go to the lower realms because of this. And this is a correct, uh, correct sign. Uh, and uh, if we look at the different kinds of correct signs, this is a, a natural uh, correct sign. Uh, so here, uh, if we look at the three different kinds of correct signs, um, uh, correct signs of effect, correct natural correct signs, and uh, correct sign of non-observation, uh, we'll find that this categorically falls under uh, natural uh, correct um, signs. Uh, because if we were to say it's not a natural uh, correct sign and say that it is a causal correct sign, it would be incorrect because there is no causal correct sign because we can't say if there is the cause, there necessarily is its result uh, because we find in the case of Angubala uh, who engaged in all of that non-virtuous activity, so the cause was there but the result didn't occur. Um, so, um, achieve the state of uh, foe destroyer, you didn't achieve the result that would have come. Uh, so here uh, we have to say that it's a natural uh, correct sign um, uh, because of the fact that uh, um, it is, it's of nature for this uh, production. Um, but it, we can't say that it's a cause correct sign because uh, um, by doing so uh, we would not be following a correct logic uh, because it, if it is their cause is present, it doesn't mean that its effect will necessarily uh, be, uh, be there. It says, by, just by, ha oh, here it is, just by having that nature, it automatically has a relationship of nature. So that's the, that's the direct quote from Dharmakirti's text. So uh, just by having that nature, it automatically has a perfect relationship of nature. So concordance, as I was stating before, there's a connection, it has a natural relationship. Namdra Okay. 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 Okay.
so uh, when we um, find this quote here, okay, so we find the quote here that says, from Arya Davis, 400 verses, humans for the most part are involved in things ignoble. Therefore, most ordinary beings uh, will surely go to the lower realms. When we look at this in terms of correct sign, there's a correct sign or a proof of the thesis that's given here. And here, when we look at the categories of correct sign, we look at correct signs of effect or resultant correct signs, and we look at uh, na one nature or uh, natural correct signs, uh, and we look at uh, uh, non correct signs of non-observation, we would say that this is a natural uh, correct sign. And when we look at the, how that's defined, it says just by having uh, that nature, it automatically has a uh, perfect relationship of nature. So there's a relationship of nature. There's a concordance uh, that's occurring because there's a nature that uh, has a relationship there the, with, with uh, uh, the result, but if, uh, if, if you will. I want to use that word very carefully. Um, but it has a relationship with uh, uh, something, so therefore it, that arises, that experience arises. So here it says ordinary beings are involved uh, 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 in the ignoble, so most of them go to the lower realm. So uh, here it's very similar to uh, um, uh, what is being said uh, about natural signs in uh, the Pramanavartika Karika, uh, and then applying it to this statement, we see that it's a natural, correct sign. <laughs> ま、ま、言うて、しば言うべえし。もうぶちんひんべえし。おうじょうじんひんべえし。ジェタンだ。ちょっと。ジェタン、ちょっと、ラバニーとは。ラジータンだら、ちょっと。ラバニーとは。お
form of natural correct sign. So there's a subtlety there when we say uh, because beings are involved in ignoble, most ordinary beings go to the lower realms. There's a subtlety there that uh, isn't in just going to work with the causes that are present there. Um, um, so that's the example of the coarse form of a natural correct sign in the subtle form. If we look at the uh, uh, correct sign of effect or resultant correct sign, there's coarse and subtle. A coarse form would be saying, uh, because there is smoke uh, over there, there is necessarily a fire. Uh, so because there's smoke, there's a fire. This would be a coarse form of a, a correct sign of effect. Um, but a, a more subtle form would be looking at future lives, uh, past and future lives, and making the application found in the Pramadavartika Karika of the three correct signs to prove past and future, uh, previous lives, of the, there is consciousness, so there's a previous life, there's uh, um, uh, sense powers, so there's previous lives, there's uh, breathing in and out, so there's previous lives. So these would be uh, resultant, or correct, uh, correct signs of effect, or resultant correct signs that would be more of a subtle nature. So the coarse nature being seeing smoke and knowing there's fire, the subtle nature uh, knowing of these uh, three correct signs that prove the previous lives. Cancer TV. Okay, so then a doctor uses various signs uh, to prove whether one has an illness of cancer or tuberculosis, and this would be a, a, a utilization of correct signs of effect. So a doctor diagnoses using give makes a diagnosis using many different uh, forms of intelligence and machinery or mechani uh, uh, mechanisms uh, for diagnosis, computers, uh, and so forth, and by an analyzing the urine, uh, looking at the blood, uh, and in dependence upon this, and dependence upon various signs that are found within this analysis, a diagnosis can be given, and one can say that one has cancer, one has tuberculosis. So this is a, uh, an example of a correct sign of result, or a resultant correct sign, which everyone makes you feel better. So when we have this knowledge of valid cognition, what valid cognition is, uh, then we can look at this and have different levels of understanding of this one quote. We can have a, a great level, a medium level, a small level, but we, uh, by doing this, begin to have a level of understanding of what this means in, uh, as various levels. Okay. okay, old time. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. 
Um, so then when we say the, the subject, the person at the time of death, uh, will go to the, uh, uh, will have a future rebirth because uh, it is a being who uh, has uh, the presence of attachment. Therefore, he or she will go to another birth. Uh, so uh, it's using this, uh, this is another uh, example. So it's important to use analysis, logic, and reason because if you uh, wanted to understand uh, that beings who are in the higher realms uh, mostly go to the lower realms and the, their numbers are similar to the atoms in the world uh, and the beings in the lower realms mostly go to the lower realms and it's, number, it's similar to the number of atoms in the world. Without having this reason, correct sign, to support it, it'd be very difficult to arrive at an understanding of these statements. So it's necessary to have um, a, a sign or a reason to support it in order to uh, arrive at this conclusion. And uh, without thinking about this over and over again and analyzing it, this uh, arriving at the understanding is impossible. Kepa 
So here, the, I think the English and the Tibetan are just in a little different order in the text, so anybody who's following. Um, so here, uh, it says, why is a human life of leisure and opportunity so difficult to obtain? Uh, so in Lama Tsongkhapa says it's because beings of the happy realms, humans and the like, are involved in such ignoble activities as the ten non-virtues. Because of this, they are reborn in the miserable realm. So here, it's talking about the origin of uh, suffering, and then the origin um, of uh, the lower realm rebirth. And it's stating that because beings are involved mostly in ignoble activities, mostly in the ten non-virtuous activities, things that are not good, uh, they mostly have the throwing karma to be reborn in the lower realm. So it's saying because of this, the activities they engage in, they have, those activities are what propels them into the lower realms. Uh, so because there's more of, uh, activity around that, uh, or, or more involvement with non-virtue, this is the case as far as the rebirth goes. And then it says, for instance, for even a single moment of anger towards a bodhisattva, you must stay uh, for an eon in the unrelenting hell. As this is so, it goes without saying that you will stay for many eons in the miserable realms on account of your having in your mind stream the imprints of many sins you uh, previously accumulated over many lifetimes. These imprints have not been erased by an antidote and have not issued effects. So here, it's saying, since beginningless time, uh, we've engaged in these negativities. Uh, so, and we have the imprints, the predispositions of these negativities. And if we haven't purified them by an opponent practice or an antidote, such as the four opponent powers, uh, then those things are present, and they will necessarily give rise to uh, these kind of results, and here the results are saying uh, staying many eons in the miserable realms because we have all of these things that have not been purified within our mind stream. Uh, so it says, still, if you completely clear away previously accumulated causes of miserable realms and restrain yourself from engaging in these causes again, you are assur uh, assured of a happy rebirth. Um, so basically, here it's saying that um, uh, if that the actions are like a, a banana tree, that once they have sprouted uh, and given their fruit, then they no longer have the potential to uh, sprout and give their fruit. But if the potential is there to do so, it will produce a banana. But once that banana is there, then it no longer uh, can produce any more bananas. It, the, the tree perishes. Uh, likewise, actions, uh, if they haven't been uh, uh, purified, uh, are present. Uh, but once they've uh, um, been, uh, uh, once their fruit has ripened, 
it no longer has the potential to ripen again. So, uh, and, and it has the potential also to be purified. Uh, so it can be purified through an antidote or uh, live, it, live itself out, if you will. Uh, the, the, um, uh, its fruit will happen and then uh, it's like a banana tree. The fruit happens and that's it. So, in the difficulty of attaining the life of leisure and opportunity, we find uh, example, and here the example is given, and then the uh, reason for the example. And the reason for the example, uh, the correct sign, uh, is found in Arya Deva's 400 verses. So th that's the reason. Uh, and then the example is what's stated above about most beings uh, going to the miserable realms. Rarity. So the next is the rarity of those who go to uh, the higher realms, the the Denju, the Shira Gombure. So it's very uh, because of the um, the the causes. Uh, uh, one can engage in the causes that will uh, cause the higher realm. Let me start that over. It's extremely rare for one uh, to engage in the causes that lead to the higher realm rebirth of the humans uh, and gods and so forth. It can be done, but it's extremely rare. It's very rare. Uh, so this is the third point that's made about the rarity of one being able to uh, have this happy rebirth, uh, the rarity of one creating the causes which are the throwing karma or the throwing actions which cause the higher realm rebirth. It's similar to a rice field or a corn field. Uh, one other kind of field was stated. I'm sorry, I don't know what the word was, but a field, a crop field, uh, where if the causes are present and the uh, causes are followed through with, uh, then many different things can grow in a field. Uh, the rice can grow, the corn can grow. It's very similar uh, to this. If these presents are there, then these things can uh, come to fruition. <laughs> So if we look at the understanding of English, the understanding of science, the understanding of Buddhism, uh, if one uh, um, uh, follows through with the causes for the understanding, then the understanding can be there. It's similar to this, we look at a company and the work that goes on. 
So when we look at companies, uh, they uh, follow through with various causes and they're able to make things. They're able to make cars, they're able to make uh, airplanes and so forth. Uh, and uh, here, when we're looking through following through with these causes, and we go and look at it in this context, it's very rare for someone to follow through with the causes that will lead to these higher realms. This is the meaning of number three. Okay, I'm going to read it. Okay, so uh, now we're in three, the rarity. Uh, still, if you completely clear away previously accumulated causes of miserable rebirths and restrain yourself from engaging in these causes again, you are assured of a happy rebirth. So here, I'm just going to stop here um, and give a little commentary so I don't forget. Uh, when we look at the case of Angumala, Angumala and uh, applying the four opponent powers, uh, he was able to not have to experience uh, uh, the negativity of uh, the negative results of his actions because of uh, purifying uh, the misdeeds that he had in, in, uh, engaged in. So he is a, an example of one who has been purified. Purified meaning that there are no longer uh, those causes there. Uh, and then 
uh, one who uh, is in that state in order to not have another miserable realm rebirth also has to stop any future uh, negativities or neg uh, future actions uh, that would cause for this uh, throwing uh, uh, negative karma. Um, so here uh, it says, however, doing this is uh, extremely rare. Um, so if we look at the non-virtuous uh, karma, and we look at the degrees of non-virtuous karma, if we look at the uh, lower realms of the hell, hungry ghost, and animal realm, and we look at uh, the, the karma itself, and the throwing karma that propels one into that experience, there are various degrees. There's a small degree of negativity, a medium degree of negativity, and a great degree of negativity. Uh, and those negativities propel one into the, lo the lower realms that th those negativities are connected to, are, uh, are concordant with, uh, in terms of uh, degree. Um, so here, uh, if one has those, then these necessarily give rise to uh, rebirth in the lower realms. It says, if you do not act in this way, you will be reborn in the miserable realm. So if one doesn't purify, if one doesn't refrain from negative actions, uh, then the miserable realms, the lower realms uh, rebirth will definitely happen. Again, it will, if one does not stop uh, future actions, negative actions, then the rebirth in the miserable realms is inevitable. Um, uh, but uh, there are um, examples of beings, uh, and, and there is a potential uh, to um, stop all of this and purify uh, the negativities or predispositions uh, that give rise to these experiences. Uh, this is extremely rare because of what we stated before. All of the reasons it's extremely rare to find those beings involved in the body who have abandoned future negativities and purified all of their past negativities. And then now we're uh, at a quote from Shantideva's Bodhichara Avatara, the guide to the Bodhi, engaging in the Bodhisattva's deeds, or guide to Bodhisattva's way of life. Dog 
So in uh, the guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life, engaging in the Bodhisattva's deeds, it says, with behavior such as mine. So here, with all the non-virtuous activities I engage in, all the misdeeds in my body, speech, uh, and mind, I will not attain a human body again. Uh, I, if I do not attain it, I will commit sin and never be virtuous. So if I'm born in the lower realms, uh, I will constantly be engaged in non-virtuous activities. I won't be able to engage in virtue. Uh, if I do not cultivate virtue, even when I have the chance to do so, uh, if I have the, here the chance to do so is referring to the leisure, eight leisures and the ten and down opportunities. So we have this life of leisure and opportunity, this basis this, uh, with potential, and it says, even when I have a chance to do so, uh, what virtue will I cultivate in a miserable realm, completely confused uh, and suffering? So this is what the Buddha has stated, that uh, if, if one can't cultivate virtue now, when, when is it going to be time to do so? In the lower realms, there's way too much suffering. Uh, so here, uh, Shantideva is stating uh, that if, if now I have this chance of leisure and opportunity and don't use it, what will I do later? And then it says, if I cultivate no virtue and accumulate sins, I will not even hear the name Happy Realms uh, uh, for uh, uh, billions, for a billion eons. Uh, so uh, here, uh, um, you will not even hear uh, the, the word Happy Realms. As it states up here, uh, I think that I read it, uh, once there you will not cultivate virtue, but you will continually commit sins. You will not even hear the phrase Happy Realms for many eons. Therefore, our human life of leisure and opportunity is difficult to obtain. So the ear won't even hear the word happy realms for, it says, billions of eons. 
And then there's this uh, example that we've given in the past about the blind sea turtle going up every 100 years to the top of the ocean uh, and putting its, its neck through a yoke uh, that's tossing around in the ocean. Um, and this is showing the difficulty of achieving the human basis. Uh, and here it says, Thus the Bhagavan said, uh, that this human life is as difficult to obtain as for a sea turtle to put its neck into a yoke tossing about on the vast ocean. So here, Shantideva is referencing the example that we reference about the blind sea turtle going up every hundred years. Uh, and then it says, even if a single moment's wrongdoing causes you to abide in the unrelenting hell for an eon. So here, this is speaking of the single moment of anger towards a bodhisattva. So even if an, a single moment of anger causes this, then, uh, then it goes without saying that you will not enter a happy realm due to sins heaped up since beginningless time. So then now a doubt might arise. So now there's a debate that will take place. So here the first there's a, a, a qualm that's positive. It says, while I experience the suffering of the miserable realms, I will be extinguishing previous bad karma, and then I will be born in the happy realm. So it's getting out of the miserable realms isn't difficult. So here's a, a qualm that's made. Uh, it says that because you're I'm experiencing the suffering, uh, and getting rid of uh, that by doing so, then it should be easy to get out of the, the miserable realm. So here, uh, this is a qualm that's put forth. Here, there's a reply. Uh, it says, while you are experiencing the suffering of the miserable realms, you are 
constantly accumulating misdeeds or sins. Uh, so therefore, although you may die in a miserable realm, you will continue to be reborn in the miserable realms. Because of this, getting out of the miserable realms is, is difficult. So, uh, the, again, the number of people going from the miserable realms to the miserable realms is the number of atoms in the world. Uh, so here, because one is accumulating again and again uh, more of the, the causes uh, for being there, uh, which are the non-virtuous activities, uh, it causes again and again for one to be reborn in the lower realms of the hell, hungry ghost and animal um, uh, <coughs> even, uh, from the visible realm. So because one constantly is still engaging in non-virtue while uh, suffering, uh, one is reborn uh, more often in the lower realms. And yes, uh, one, when one is experiencing suffering in the miserable realms, uh, it's getting rid of that karma, but new karma is being created, new actions are being created. The, the karma cheat, you're right. So it's uh, the Okay, so then it says, uh, experiencing only effects of that karma will not get you out, while experiencing the effects you create other sins. So, uh, meaning in the lower realms, the hell, hungry ghost, and animal, when one is abiding there and experiencing these effects of the uh, action, uh, um, one doesn't get out because of the experience of these effects, or these effects being uh, coming to this coming to fruition, uh, because more sins, more non-virtues being created at the same time, so it causes one to perpetually stay in the lower realms. So we've gone through three now of the eight. Uh, so we'll go over this again, uh, again and again, and slowly, slowly we'll... Uh, arrive at the, the uh, uh, clarification or the understanding. So then, it's best if then we can take this and then take the text and look at the text uh, and then slowly we'll start to have the clarification of what this text means. And then once we understand everything in this text, we're all set because it, it contains everything in the pronouncements of Lord Buddha and the Kanjur and the Tanjur, the authentic Indian commentaries. So it's of great importance. And slowly we'll understand it. So uh, we'll close class there. Thank you very much, and uh, let's do the concluding mandal offering and dedication prayer. Uh, directly after this, there will be a board members only meeting. No, next week. Uh, I'm not necessary? Next week. Oh, next week. Sorry, but we're talking, aren't we? About, we're not doing anything. It's all next week. Okay, I'm wrong. So why don't we do the concluding mandal <laughs> offering uh, and dedication prayer, and no matter what, we will not be having a meeting this afternoon. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh,
Junta ni jema. Junta ni jema. So, the, the fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Gosandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the Gita Manjushri, likewise Samantabhadra as well, with whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness, all powerful Abhidhashvara, Tenzinyatsa, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Tenzinyatsa, a holder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. So are we announcing the... Oh, yeah. Uh,